Thank you for listening to the CEO-ish podcast hosted by me, Taylor Graham. And me, Chloe Willemson. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster, our number one podcasting tool. Zencaster provides crystal clear audio and gorgeous HD video. We love that it makes our lives easier by recording separate audio and video tracks for ourselves and our guests. Did we mention that it also does transcripts? So if you're uploading your podcast to your website for blogging and SEO purposes, it makes it so easy. Plus, there's a secured cloud backup, so you never lose your interviews and it's super easy to use. And there's nothing to download. Our guests just click the link and we start recording. Go to Zencaster to get 30% off your first three months with a pro account. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the CEO-ish podcast. We wanted to kick off this episode by saying welcome to all of our new listeners from our interview with Angela last week. We got a ton of positive feedback on that episode. And if you're a returning CEO, you already know we love and appreciate you for showing up for us weekly. As always, we are Chloe and Taylor. Well, if you're listening to this, I am Taylor. This is my voice. That was Chloe. Hey. <laughs> and we have been doing this podcasting thing for well over a year now. And we talk with a ton of your favorite creators, entrepreneurs, and artists about all things entrepreneurship, social media, self-care, and how they all come together to impact our mental health as creatives. And this week, we are sitting down with Ayana Campbell-Smith who is the founder of Millennial Money Guide and a debt-free money coach with a passion for helping millennial women and couples get unstuck so they can ditch debt, save more, and win with money. Through her Instagram, blog, and coaching programs, Ayana shares practical tips and money advice to help young adults navigate the sometimes intimidating and often misunderstood world of personal finance. I did an episode on personal finance a few weeks ago, but it is nothing compared to this. And all of last week, we put question boxes up on Instagram. So if you're not following us over on Instagram at CEO-ish podcast, I don't know what you're doing, but it was for you guys to submit your questions. And that is exactly what this week's episode is. Yes. And we asked Ayana your questions and you guys gave us a wide range of topics to talk about from saving and investing to emergency funds and paying off debt, credit cards, and more. But as always, before we dive into this episode with Ayana, we have a little to catch you guys up on. So Taylor, do you want to kick us off? I do. I have a ton of updates for you guys this week. And I feel bad because I feel like last week my intro was so dry. And it was just because I genuinely could not pull anything out of my ass to talk about. Like It was just a dry <laughs> week of updates. Do you ever feel like that? Oh, yeah. Sometimes I have absolutely nothing going on. But this week, I got a ton to catch you guys up on. And I want to start off by causing a healthy debate here because I need some of you guys to back me up. Some of you guys might be in Chloe's corner (laughs) on this, but she texts me and she goes, Taylor, I have this really good drink you need to try. Knowing damn well, I don't like the taste of overly healthy shit. Now, that does not mean like my regular fruits and vegetables. I happily eat those. I love most vegetables. But Chloe comes and she recommends this bone broth, turmeric, black pepper bullshit. And this is Mm -hmm. just not a drink recommendation for me, you guys. I've got a big mug of it right now, actually. It's good. I've been having it for breakfast. Impulsive. Impulsive? No, repulsive. Oh, I was like, so not impulsive. No, it's good. It's like good for your digestion. And I've been having it for breakfast recently because I just have no appetite for breakfast. But I'm like, I need to get something in me, you know? Okay. So... It might be great for your digestion, but it is not great for my taste buds. It it just tastes like soup without anything. It's just like broth. It's good. I cannot get behind this. 
I'm behind it. Yeah, it's kind of a running joke that I like healthy drinks that are borderline gross, depending on who you ask. And Taylor what? wants nothing about it. No, 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 no. Now we got to bring up the turmeric drink from college. Yeah, what? that's called like a golden latte. It's actually a very popular drink in India. What? <laughs> no, it was literally like a cup of turmeric powder. Yeah, I mean, I definitely put too much turmeric in it, but... It's I've good. had a golden latte before, and I don't mind those. I think I just kind of overdo it. <laughs> I was going to say, if you've ever tried the brand Gold, it's G O L D E. I actually think we recommended them as a small mm-hmm. business at one point, but they have a really good golden turmeric latte mix, and I love that one. Totally good. Whatever you made was straight turmeric yeah. powder. Well, that was just to get rid of the infection that I was fighting, so it was more <laughs> of a medicinal <laughs> drink than it was for taste. But yeah. Healthy drinks, that's the way she to go. She made me drink it too. <laughs> she made me drink it too. I will yes, never I forgive did. her for this. It was awful. Uh, well, speaking of drinks. <laughs> I know. I was just about to say, continuing on with our drink theme here, you guys, I am dedicating my entire summer to becoming a mocktail bartender expert. Um, I really don't like how the taste of, or I don't like how alcohol makes my f- stomach feel at this point in my life but I still want to be a beverage girly and I don't want to just go to the bars and have to order like a Shirley Temple because that's the only thing I can think of off of the top of my head you know yeah so I'm excited to get into this I'm gonna become the best mocktail bartender I know and I will keep you guys posted on that with updates I love that a lot of restaurants are starting to have like a separate mocktail menu like it's becoming more of a common thing now which I think that's awesome actually I went to a restaurant and had a really good mocktail the other day it was like a black cherry limeade type of situation and it was fantastic but you know I love cherry so yeah yeah um more updates from me Chloe and I manifested the coolest interview for this podcast and I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to share about it in full details because you guys literally heard it in action last week. So I talked about my favorite product of the week being those Basma Beauty Foundation sticks and the Basma team heard our episode and oh, has yeah. offered Basma to come on the podcast, which I literally could not be more excited about. We are in the coordinating process right now and they sent me over a list of her availability. So I have to cross mm-hmm. reference our calendars with Chloe and eyes so we can find the best time to record, but that will be out sometime this summer. I'm so excited about that. You guys, you have no idea what it is like putting this out into the world every single week and never fully knowing what the feedback is going to be for Chloe and I. And to get that kind of feedback of like people we whose products we're using wanting to be on the podcast, mm-hmm. like that, that was the whole point of us doing small business shout outs in the first place, other than like helping genuine small businesses that we love to shop from and support ourselves. It was also to help share their stories because a lot of these people are just like Chloe and I with fantastic stories, but just small platforms, you know? Yeah, definitely. So very excited about that. And then just more work updates from Chloe and I, and then I swear I'm done. We kicked off two very cool branding projects with some really cool creators. I'm super excited about that. We have a lot of really cool projects in the pipeline. I have three proposals out right now for some really cool brands. Very excited. Chloe and I are moving on up in the world and I can feel Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) All things are very exciting right now. 
Yes. And then just on a personal life update front, before I pass things off to Chloe, my friend Kat's bachelorette is this weekend. So all of the wedding activities are about to begin. And if you've been with us for a while, you know, I went through this last summer. So we're, we're, gearing, it back up. we're gearing it back up, boys. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, are you staying with me this weekend? Or are you staying with Kat? Or are you staying in an Airbnb? No, we are, I don't know if I told you this. Her bachelorette's in Indiana because it's oh. a halfway point between all of the Michigan and all of the Chicago people. Okay. It's like on the border of Michigan and Indiana on Lake Michigan. But yeah, we have a house in an Airbnb. I will That's not be awesome. anywhere near Grand Rapids. Damn. Well, you will be missed in Grand Rapids. Yes, but I will be up in a few weeks when we go to hang out with Hannah and Brooke. And then I yes. also have the wedding. Let's not yes. forget the, the wedding. So yeah, I honestly just like was thinking about that the other day. I was like, literally, when is that? Is that next weekend? What, what, is, what is going on? What day Chloe, is what even? are you wearing? <laughs> Girl, I don't even know what I'm wearing later today. Okay, I'm still in pajamas. I rolled out of bed a solid 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Fair. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Something cute, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I expect nothing less. Um, okay, is that, yeah, that's it for your updates? Yep, all you. All right. Well, other than the branding projects that we are working on, I just went on a little, la- very last minute family trip down to Kentucky. One of my cousins just graduated high school and he had the most lit grad party I have ever been to in my life. It was like a combined with like seven of his friends. And then it basically was like a wedding, except for nobody got married. It was just dancing and DJ and really good food. So that was really fun. Got to see my cousins. Also, on my way down to Kentucky, I did not have a very good time because I got pulled over and I got a speeding ticket. So that was pretty lame. I was really upset about that, but he cut me a really big break. I was going really fast and he only wrote me for five overs. So thank you, Popo. We love the self-awareness in the situation, Chloe. Yeah. You know, I also didn't have a copy of my insurance with me. So I was just like, oh, fuck. I was like, I need to call my mom real quick. Hold on. So we had to like wait in his car for like 15 minutes while she tried to email me the insurance. So that was just an eventful thing going on on top of my already like 10 hour road trip down to Kentucky. So I don't know who you have your insurance through, but if they have an app, I highly recommend that because I have the app on my phone to constantly prove my insurance. Oh, well, now I have it in my email. So I've got that on on deck. Hopefully I won't get pulled over again, but you never know. I'm not the most confident driver, so it could happen at any time. (laughs) You know what I have casually in my email? A record of every vaccine I've ever had because of when I lost my vaccine card in Italy. And the only thing that the government could provide me with was my full immunization record. Oh my gosh. Good thing they could at least do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would have been stuck in the country or well, I would have been stuck in Italy and stuck out of the country. But honestly, at this point in my life, I really don't feel like that would have been the worst thing. Yeah, I was going to say, is it really stuck in Italy or did you just get lucky? (laughs) Me getting lucky. Yeah. Well, that is it for my updates. Not a whole lot of other stuff going on. Well, do you want to kick off the product of the week then? Sure. So another one of my product, my not products, my Polish Choice products that I ordered, I ordered four and this is one of the other ones that I did. It's the Super Hydrate Overnight Mask. And this one you can also leave on for like 20 minutes. So I've been loving it for that reason. I got sunburned in Kentucky. And so I've been like lathering that bad boy all over it and it's been helping a lot. So 
Was this not the same mask that you recommended last week? No, this is a different one. This one is in a green bottle and it's more of like, the other one is more of a cream consistency. This one is more of a jelly consistency. I have not tried this one and I'm curious. Both are very good. I don't know which one I like better. I think they're like my two favorite. I just love Paula's Choice products, honestly. I have not tried anything from Paula's Choice that I didn't love. Um, They're a ride or die brand for me as well with dry sensitive skin. Like it's just, it's scientific back. It's it's perfect. It's a great line. And like, I mean, I know I look nasty right now, but like my skin cleared up a whole lot using these masks. Like I've been using them like every night. And it's helped a lot. I'm still kind of looking like a pizza, but it's like a little bit less pepperoni. So it's fine. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) What's your product? Uh, Oh my goodness. Okay. So I think I've shouted these out before, but I'm going to re-shout them out because they are such a fantastic product. And especially now that summer's coming up, they're so lightweight. And I just think they're the perfect product for your lips. The In Beauty Project Lip Oils. I think they call them their lip glazes. I am very specifically into the shade Berry Jam right now, but I have all of them because the team saw a video that I made on TikTok bashing the Dior lip oils, which is a different story that we don't have to get into. I was just being a cheeky asshole. It's fine. But they saw the video and they were like, hey, can we send you all of the colors you don't have? And I was like, please, this is literally my favorite lip product ever. And that package came over the weekend. And that's where I got the Berry Jam color. I'm obsessed with these. They have re-kickstarted my obsession with them because I'm almost out of my Froze color, that, which is the one I made the video with. I'm like scraping the sides of it, trying to get it out. <laughs> it's such a good lip oil. They're so hydrating. I adore them. And now that we're on the conversation of PR packages, Chloe, I have to tell you about this really cool PR package. Well, now everybody has to listen to me tell you about it, but I have to show you the box later. The brand Elemis sent me a PR package over the weekend and I knew they were sending me something, but I did not know it was going to be like so elaborate. It was a literal London telephone booth box. That is so cute. You opened up the top of it, okay? The top part had a bunch of little hand towels soaked in essential oils. It smelled like lavender and white tea and eucalyptus. So the entire box that it came in smelled like it. When I picked it up offside the porch, I could smell it. That's how good. And then you open up the top part. So you take everything out and then it on like the, this, you guys are having a really hard time imagining this right now, but the top part of it like drops like the front part of the box and it Mm -hmm. reveals all of the products inside. It was the most elaborate box I've ever received. It is worthy of me keeping. Like I am now keeping this box as a piece of decor. (laughs) It's so cool. I I have to send you a picture. Honestly, now that everybody has to listen to me talk about this box, I'm also going to post it on our Instagram stories just so everyone can envision or everyone can envision what I'm talking about because my description was just god awful. It's all right. It sounds awesome. It's so pretty. All right. So today's small biz shout out is going to go to Stitch the Joy, a handmade embroidery shop run by Rachel in Chattanooga, Tennessee. She started embroidering in 2019 after inheriting some supplies and she hasn't put down her needle since. She sells some beautifully hand-stitched shirts, sweatshirts, bandanas, hats, and swaddles, as well as DIY kits, which I think would make a perfect gift for the creative in your life. Surprise, surprise, we also found her while wandering around the art fair in Nashville while we were on our trip. No, there is no end to the amount of business cards that we picked up. 
You can shop all of her amazing apparel, accessories, and DIY kits at stitchthejoy.com. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-T-H-E-J-O-Y.com. Chloe, I have to ask you, while you were reading that, did you just see me dump my entire cup of coffee into my (laughs) lap and completely miss my mouth because I put my mic on mute so you wouldn't hear me take a sip? But then I spilled that all over myself and I thought I threw you off. (laughs) (laughs) Something going on, but no, I was focused on reading. (laughs) I just dumped my entire cup of coffee into my lap. Good morning, everybody. Good Good morning. morning. It's a Monday. Can you tell? (laughs) I hope that is not an omen for the rest of my week. It's all right. Well, we're going to have a good week. We are. And I hope you guys love this episode with Ayana. We are so excited to be able to do this type of an episode. We've been wanting to do a personal finance episode with an expert forever. And she's one of the best. So we hope you guys enjoy and we will see you on the other side. Hello, Ayana, and welcome to our podcast. We are so unbelievably excited to have you, and our audience has been requesting a personal finance episode from us forever. And I did an episode about my own personal investing journey, but I'm no financial expert, so we are so grateful to have you here with us. And can you please start off by telling us a little bit about who you are, how the Millennial Money Guide came to be, and what your relationship with money was like growing up? Yeah, totally. Um, Well, thank you, number one, for having me, both of you. Super excited to be here. Um, So I am Ayana, like you said, and I am a debt-free millennial money coach. And so I work with women and couples to help them get unstuck with their money so they can ditch debt, save more, and finally start winning with it. My business started very sort of randomly because I am by trade, um, a web designer. I have a degree in graphic design. That's what I studied in college. And so in around 2019, I was kind of looking for some sort of a creative project to devote my time to outside of my nine to five that would still sort of fulfill that creative itch that I typically have, but not be, you know, something where I was at home working for hours and hours after my nine to five ended. And so personal finance has always been something that was interesting to me. Um, I was really lucky to grow up in a home where my parents, through their actions and through things that they told me, taught me the importance of money and financial literacy. And so, you know, around that time, I decided that I wanted to have some form of a creative project that would involve personal finance, but then also being able to learn about social media marketing and email marketing. So it was kind of all over the place, but I landed in this sweet spot, which is really cool. Um, And so I was sitting on the couch one day, I think my husband was out of town on a work trip, and I was just writing all these different topics of personal finance content that I would want to share with fellow millennials because I knew that the information was going to be really beneficial. And so once I had a list of about 30 topics, I was like, you know what, this is not something that I can sit on. Like, this is not something I can just keep on my phone and have no one see. And so from there, I decided on a whim to start an email newsletter. I started drafting newsletters. Around that time, I started my Instagram account and I was completely anonymous when I first started because I was so afraid of even showing my face and talking about this stuff. Um, But, you know, everything, (laughs) yeah, everything has just really grown from there. So over the last two and a half ish years, I'd say since then, I've transitioned from not only offering free content and education on Instagram, but also now working one on one with clients in the form of money coaching and speaking engagements and being on podcasts like these. So it's all been really fun. And I think the fact that it's been so organic, my or my journey has been so organic is what continues to make it so fun for me. It's not a chore. It's something that I really love doing. I oh gosh, love awesome. that. 
And your content is so <laughs> digestible. Like I cannot tell you how much I love the content Thank you put you. out because it is just so accessible to people like us, you know? That's the goal. <laughs> All right. So our first finance question, do you have any golden rules for saving? Golden rules for saving. Um, I think there are a couple, but I will name maybe my top two. So number one, I would say is there's this whole concept in personal finance. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of it, but it's called paying yourself first. Yes. And it's a yes. really, yeah, yeah. it's a really simple concept. So I'll just like reiterate for your listeners then, but it's a simple concept where it essentially is you committing to saving a portion of any money you receive, whether it's from a paycheck or from a business or from a side hustle and sending that money to savings right away. And so when you're paying yourself first, you are kind of breaking the traditional form of saving where many people will get paid on payday, they'll spend money like crazy and then get to the end of the month and be like, oh crap, I don't have any money left to save. What am I going to do? Saving is impossible or it's really hard. When you pay yourself first, you're essentially sort of flipping that sort of typical way of saving on its head. And that's why it's so effective because you are saying, you know what, I'm going to prioritize these savings. I'm going to do that right away, get it out of my checking account so I don't even see it and I get too attached to it. And then you really reap the benefits of your money just growing over time because you've committed to sort of having that be a priority in your life and not sort of falling into the trap of the traditional way of saving. So I think that that is definitely a golden rule is just really getting into the habit of paying yourself first. And then I think the second one I would say would be um, just really being mindful about your system for saving. So having a separate savings account specifically for the goals that you're working towards, because I've seen so many people where they get paid all their money just sits in their checking account. And so there's spendable money and there's money that's intended for savings, but there's no actual lines of demarcation or boundaries between what's spendable and what's saved supposed to be. So I think that having separate savings accounts for your goals, whether it's just a, an account at your bank or a high yield savings account, which is another really great thing your listeners can maybe Google and look up. But um, I think that those two things combined, paying yourself first and then having those se separate savings accounts makes a huge difference in the progress you're going to see when you're talking about how you're saving money. I love that. And I think that's a fantastic way to transition to one of our first listener asked questions because this person asked, how can they start saving and investing when they feel like they live paycheck to paycheck? That's a great question. So I think number one thing I would say is that we have to, they should definitely get a firm understanding of whether or not they actually are living paycheck to paycheck or if they just feel that way. Because many times our spending habits can impact the way that we feel about our money and it may not even be an actual fact. And so what I typically do with my clients to even get a baseline of like, where am I starting is I have them perform what I call um, a spending audit. And basically it's a way of you reviewing your recent spending, categorizing it and sort of seeing what are the weak areas in my spending? Where am I spending a little bit too much? Where am I spending um, frivolously or unnecessarily? And how can I begin to sort of reprioritize my spending to align with the goals that I have? So, you know, being millennials, a lot of times we'll find is that we're spending tons and tons of money on dining out, on DoorDash and Uber Eats, going out with friends. And none of those things in itself are bad things. But when there's an imbalance in how much you're doing that versus the other things that you are saying you want to do, such as saving or beginning to invest, then that's when you need to sort of like take back the control and take back the reins and say, you know what, the way I feel living paycheck to paycheck, I don't like that. And so let me do some work to understand my spending habits, get on a budget and actually see if I have room to do these things. And if you do find that it really is a situation where your income really doesn't 
allow for you to be able to save extra money, then that's when you are also empowered to make some decisions about how you can generate more income for yourself. Generating more income is always going to be like a superpower when it comes to your finances. Like that's the Mm -hmm. one thing that you typically have more control over because you can only cut your spending so much. You can only pay down as much debt or save as much as your income allows. But if you generate more income, that's going to be more freedom that you have to then do those other things that you're saying that you want to do. That's fantastic. All right. Mm -hmm. So another question from our listeners, how should I prioritize building an emergency savings, paying off debt and investing when I know that I need to be doing all three? I think this is something that I see a lot too. And it's the reason why a lot of people feel overwhelmed when it comes to their finances. Many times we're trying to do too many things at one time because we think we're either behind or like this listeners or this um, follower said, like, I know what I should be doing, but I'm not doing it. And so now I feel anxious. Mm -hmm. I think that there is a sort of recommended approach specifically for the three things that they outlined. So number one, I would say is you have to sort of get laser focused on doing one thing at a time so you can actually see progress because otherwise it's going to be two steps forward, one step back, or it's going to be really, really incremental progress. And then again, those transition into feelings of money is difficult. I'm bad with money money is impossible. And so I think that number one, I would say is you should focus all your efforts on building an emergency fund, because that's going to be the buffer that you need between where you're at now and that emergency that's inevitably around the corner. So I would say, make those minimum debt payments, save that emergency fund as quickly as you possibly can. And then from there, you can use that money that you were maybe saving for the emergency fund and transition that or redirect that towards paying money towards your debt. Once you get a good handle on your debt, not saying you have to be completely debt free, but once you have a a plan for your money and a plan for becoming debt free, I think that that is when you're going to be better able to sort of like reap the benefits of beginning to invest because you have more money free and you're not sort of worried about, you know, how am I going to pay for an emergency if it happens or what's going to happen if this debt comes due and I don't have the money to cover it. And so really just taking a tailored approach of really like, being focused on one thing at a time and not overwhelming yourself, I think is going to lead to the most success. Awesome. You already answered my question because I was going to be like, okay, well, if we have these three things, what should we top prioritize? So you're, you're in the corner of emergency savings definitely needs to come first. Absolutely. Because if you think about it, if we don't have emergency savings, what is our usual line of defense when something happens? Our car breaks down or we lose our job. We're putting everything on a credit card. And so all the work that you might've been doing to sort of you know, incrementally pay down debt while also trying to save and invest is just going to be undone because you're going to add more to that credit card balance. You're going to have to take out a loan or whatever it might be. And so it really just behooves you to focus on one thing and be really good at that and get that done as quickly as possible so that you can fully focus your efforts on sort of the next phase of your journey, whether it's paying down debt or saving towards another goal or beginning to invest, like we said. Amazing. So do you have any advice for people struggling to save money and make it a consistent habit? I think in addition to the two things that I shared at the very beginning, that habit of paying yourself first and just having a sacred sort of safe place for your savings to live, I think really getting clear on your goals and what your priorities are can really be helpful because um, when we're not clear on our goals, I think that there's no question or it's really easy to justify the spending that we do. If we don't see this spending as encroaching on our ability to save towards this other goal that's more important to us that we've identified, then we're not going to feel bad about that spending or we're not going to sort of be able to have discipline when it comes to not spending that money. So I think that really getting clear on your goals is important. And so that can just look like 
you making a list of like, what do I want to accomplish this year? And how much money is it going to take? And are there things I need to save for? Many millennials at this point in their lives, they're thinking about, you know, buying a home. Well, maybe not in this market, but, you know, typically buying a home, you know, saving for a wedding, uh, buying a new car, things like that. And that all costs money. And so when we're proactive and we're smart with our finances, we can prepare for those big moments in life. They don't have to be these big overwhelming things. But first, we have to really get clear about what it is exactly that we're working on so that we can then begin to form a plan and prioritize how we're going to use our money and put our money to use towards sort of working towards those goals. You know, I got triggered by something you said, and now I want to come back to it with relation to Mm -hmm. the word budget. I feel like there are two types of people where there are people who feel like the word budget is a very limiting thing and they feel very restricted by it. And there are other people who use like budgeting and sinking funds as their superpower. Do you have any tips for people who have the mindset issue around the budget being a limiting factor? Absolutely. I love that you brought this up because I'm actually sharing a reel about this later today. So it's like right <laughs> oh in line goodness. with something I already had planned. Um, I think really redefining the way that you define the word budget is really important because like you said, there are these two schools of thoughts where it's like a budget is either a prison sentence, I can't have any fun, or a budget is super freeing, it's empowering. I'm obviously in the camp of budgets being empowering. And I think the reason why I find them so empowering is because it's essentially a way of giving yourself permission to spend your money and not have to call every question or every um, expense into question or be concerned about, you know, whether or not this is in line with what I should be doing right now. And so the definition that I give for a budget is really that a budget is a plan for your money, how it's going to be spent during a given period of time. And when we sort of carry that definition of a budget, I think it makes it a lot less scary and a lot less restrictive because nothing wrong. there's nothing wrong with having a plan for our money. But if we think of a budget as something that's this restrictive, scary thing, then obviously it's not going to be something that we want to sustain or that we even want to even try to um, create for ourselves. And so I think that, you know, taking that idea of it being a plan and really combining that with what I said before of understanding your priorities, what are your goals? What are the ways that you spend money that really bring you joy in ways that you value spending money? I think that putting those all together and creating that plan for your money that really accounts for each of those three main categories is really beneficial because then you're going to feel, like I said, empowered by your spending as opposed to questioning whether or not the spending you're doing is right or wrong. I put that in quotations mm-hmm. because there really is no right or wrong spending, but it really just depends on like how you are aligning it with the goals and the priorities and the values that you have. Awesome. All right. So another question from our listeners, how can I be more responsible with my credit cards? I'm working on paying off some debt that I racked up in college and I feel like I'm not using them to the full advantage, but I'm also afraid of the trouble that I could get into into with them again. Mm-hmm. I think that it's kind of difficult to use credit cards to their full advantage when you're still maybe struggling to overcome the irresponsible use of credit cards. Mm-hmm. And so What I would say as a money coach is if you are still in the process of paying down credit card debts, I think you should probably, at least in the short term, curb the credit card spending because you don't want to have that temptation of, you know, maybe going back to old habits that are not going to really benefit you. So I would say that number one, curb the current spending until you are able to actually pay down those balances and then be able to demonstrate to yourself that, you know what, I've done that before. 
don't want to go back. So I'm going to make some different choices and make some better decisions when it comes to how I'm spending on my credit card. But I think it's kind of the same thing when you're trying to do too many things at one time, when you're trying to pay down debt, but also spend more on my credit card so I can get the points and the reward, but also not do too much and then rack up more debt. Like it's, it's kind of like in contradiction to itself. Yeah. It's tough to do. So I think that step number one, put the credit cards on ice, at least in the beginning while you're sort of transitioning to more um, responsible habits And then when it comes to getting to the point where you're using it more responsibly, I think there are some main things to keep in mind. So number one, only spending on your credit card using, um, only spend as much as you have to actually cover, you know, the spending that you're doing. So having that money on hand so you can immediately pay down that balance is really important. We're not using our credit cards as like a payday advance or, you know, some extra money Mm -hmm. to tie me over until payday because those are the habits that get us in trouble. I think that's number one. Um, I think number two is not overspending for the sake of getting points or rewards because while the rewards are good, while the points are good, while getting to fly places for free is great, typically you're going to have to spend maybe a little bit above and beyond what you typically would do to really get that benefit. And so I'm definitely not in the camp of thinking that credit cards are evil or bad. I use credit cards myself, but you know, I don't do it in a way where it's going to be like I'm spending money I wouldn't typically spend just to get ten dollars off at Amazon. You know, that doesn't really make a ton of sense. Um, so just keeping that in mind, just making sure that the risk you're taking is actually going to be worth the reward if you are going to do it. And I think the third thing is always just going to be making sure that you're paying off those balances in full every month. And if you find that that's not something that you're able to do, that shows that the way that you're spending your credit card is not quite super duper responsible. And so that's, again, where you need to have that budget. You need to know exactly what you're doing. You're not going over that line and getting yourself into trouble again. I'm so happy you brought this up because that was actually going to be my next question for you too, is are you someone that's in the camp of like pay the balance in full or are you the minimum payment person? Because I've talked to multiple different financial experts and some people say, just make the minimum balance. It's fine to carry the interest, but I feel like I'm, I'm a pay it in full person too. So... Yeah. Well, I think I have, I struggle with that because I really don't see, maybe I'm just not educated enough on that topic, but I really don't see any benefit to carrying a balance and paying extra interest because what it is, is you are literally paying more money for something that you bought. You're paying the cost of the item that you bought plus the interest on top of it. And if that interest carries over month over month, then, you know, that's even more money that you're paying. And so I think what people typically don't understand, especially like the kind of clients that I work with is people don't always understand what interest is and how it works. And they don't understand that it's them literally paying more money. And by only paying that minimum balance, that's not the credit card company saying, hey, we're being nice to you. This is all you have to pay. That's them saying, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, we're taking advantage of you and you're going to be paying this debt until you're 90 years old. Good luck. So um, I would say 100% balance in full. And if you find that, like I said, you're not able to do that, then that probably is a sign that maybe you should curb the credit card spending or be a little bit more mindful and intentional about the spending that you are doing so that you don't have to carry those balances over over the course of months or whatever it might be. Now, one last question for you on the credit card note, just because I selfishly want to know, what are your opinions and or feelings towards like store specific credit cards? Like we'll take Target, for example, you open up a Target card or the the infamous Victoria's Secret Angels card or whatever. Are you in the camp of like, Mm -hmm. I'm not for store specific cards, just have one credit card or a few that get you the rewards points, et cetera. And I know I'm not going to ask you for credit card recommendations either, because I also Mm -hmm. feel like people's personal spending habits are so personal to them. 
like the credit card that benefits me because I travel a ton wouldn't necessarily benefit somebody who maybe put places more emphasis on eating and dining out, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I totally agree. I honestly, I don't really know a ton about store cards. I would imagine that the benefit of a store card would be that the more you spend there, the more benefits you get as far as like sales and things like that. So I think, I think it kind of just transitions back to what I said before too, where you're typically going to have to spend maybe more than you typically would to really get the benefit. And don't quote me on that because I really don't know for sure. But that's what I, that's just what logically makes sense in my brain is that the reason why you're getting a store card is to earn some sort of benefit of, of going to that store or for shopping at that store more. And that's kind of how they keep you coming back. Like that's a marketing strategy too. It's like you have this store card. And so of course you're going to keep going to Victoria's Secret every week because you got to get, you know, those rewards. I got to rack up those points or whatever it might be. But, you know, like if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, I remember being, um, you know, in college and going to Forever 21 when that was a place that people shopped at. I don't know if people still shop there, but I remember every time going in there and them asking me to apply for a credit card to get like 10% off my order or my purchase. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like you're, you're adding additional credit cards to your sort of financial situation. You are running the risk of running those cards up for the benefit of maybe saving $3 on a purchase. Because when I was going to Forever 21, I was only spending maybe $30 max every time I would go because the clothes are so cheap, you know? And so it's like, is it really worth it to get the store card for the benefit of 10% off that first purchase and then maybe not even getting getting anything more? I feel like that's what always really confused me, like being someone that was a little bit more financially literate, even in college. I never quite understood the true benefit aside from that sort of like little sales pitch of like, you'll get 15% or 10% off your order today. If you apply for this credit card and you open it in the store. So that's kind of my two cents. It may be controversial. I'm sorry, but (laughs) that's just how I feel about it. Where would you recommend somebody start investing if they are new to it? And do you have any resources that you'd recommend for people to check out to help them make those kinds of decisions? Absolutely. So um, where exactly is just going to depend on number one, what options are available to you? You know, you may have an employee sponsored investing account, you may be doing it completely on your own. So I can't give exact specifics about where but I would say that when it comes to investing, one of the few things that you actually can control is the cost that you pay or like, how much you're paying in fees for the investments that you are making. And so I would say, um, as much as you can, the benefits are really going to be with going with what are called, I believe they would be considered low cost brokerages who really put an emphasis on low fee sort of products that are going to be things that you can invest in. Because like I said, the less you're paying in fees, that's more money that you can keep in your pocket at the end of the day when you actually need it as your investments grow over time. As far as resources, I think that my typical go-to for investing advice and resources is always starting with books because I love educating myself first before I go on the internet or on YouTube and listen to what this random dude has to say about investing. So um, yeah, I, I have a couple of books I can recommend. The first one being The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. It's a great book. Um, I also love Broke Millennial Takes on Investing by Aaron Lowry. Another I love really good that book, book too. Yeah, it's really great. I love I love her as an author in general. Um, all of her books are great. Um, and then the third one I would say is, it's kind of escaping me. There is another book, um, particularly by the founder of Vanguard, which is one of these brokerages that I mentioned, but John C. Bowell, I believe it's pronounced. And um, 
the name is escaping me. I cannot believe this, but I believe it's called like Common Sense Investing. It's a red cover. Um, so those three books are like the main ones that I always recommend whenever people ask me for advice about investing. And I always, always, always say, start with education first. Don't just go out and buy random things. Don't jump on Robin Hood or whatever it might be just because your cousin said that this is what you should be doing and you're missing out. Like there is risk involved with investing. You can lose money. You can lose a lot of money. I think a lot of people don't understand that part too. And so really understanding the risks and rewards and what is actually going into the investments that you're making is going to be really important. So you can make informed decisions and not regret it later if you do sort of fall into you know, losing money or, or being a victim of the risk that is involved in, with investing. Do you have thoughts and or opinions on Robinhood as a app overall? I know they went through some controversy <laughs> a little bit ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. Yeah. I heard about the controversy. I, I don't have very specific thoughts because of the fact that I've never actually used it, but I do think that there is a little bit of a danger. And I do think that there should be more regulation potentially around the gamification of investing or, um, you know, using these apps with like these fun colors and fun animations and flashing and like things that are maybe used to entice people to invest more than they typically would or do things or perform actions that they maybe don't quite fully understand. Because I think I've listened to a couple of podcasts from like New York Times and, you know, the Wall Street Journal about how they have gotten in trouble with some of the things that have happened in the past and people not fully understanding or being um, feeling like they were being sort of like pushed towards certain products that they didn't fully understand and then losing money. So I don't think I don't have any major thoughts about Robin Hood, like from experience, but I do think that there is um, something to be said about the role that design plays, especially with me being a designer, like I work, I, I build um, and design, you know, interfaces and apps. And so I kind of understand that world, like when designs are made in a way such that they could potentially lead to negative outcomes simply because of the interaction with the application. I think that that is where things can get a little bit dangerous. For sure. I'm still amazed by the amount of gambling apps that are allowed to be just mm. available in the download oh, store, yeah. in the app store. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So much addiction too. That stuff is like so addictive. <laughs> Social media in general is addictive too. So you combine the two together. Mm-hmm. People didn't stand a chance during the pandemic. I feel so bad. Oh no, absolutely not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, so let's pivot a little bit to talk about mental health. How has being a woman in a man's world of finance impacted your mental health? I think I've been really lucky. Lucky in the fact that I don't. I don't think it really has impacted it. That's awesome. (laughs) Only because, yeah. So, you know, I was, I was thinking about this when I first joined Instagram and millennial money guide in my account, I was really naive and thinking like, oh, there's, there's no one in this space. I'm the only millennial in the world that's thinking (laughs) to talk about this. I'm going to change the world. But I was very happy and surprised to learn that there are actually a ton of millennial, um, millennials in the space, women in the space, women of color in the space, not nearly as much as there probably should be or that there can be. But I was very happy to see that, you know, there are a lot of us in this space. And I do think it is so important because like you kind of hinted at the world of personal finance and education and things like that, it is so male dominated. And I don't think that that is like the worst thing in the world. Men aren't evil, obviously. But like, you know, I think that having a diversity of voices, whether it's, um, you know, gender diversity or, you know, race diversity, I think is really important because when you can see someone that looks like you in this space where previously maybe you never thought that that sort of world was for you. I think that that's what really makes a difference. And so I think 
you know, just in my experience of working with women, working with women of color, like a lot of the times when I'm having my sales calls and I'm signing these clients, the the defining factor or the thing that really pushed them towards even wanting to reach out to me was saying that you were a black woman in personal finance and I wanted someone that looks like me or I wanted someone that I felt like I could relate to. And so I think that while I don't feel like I've been super impacted mentally by this being sort of a more male dominated world, I do think that there is something to say, there is something to say about the fact that we do need more diversity in this space. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I love that you mentioned the whole socioeconomic backgrounds too, because I pers- one of the biggest things I struggle with and why I first looked into like money coaching is I have ADHD. My impulse spending mm. is way up there. And to work with somebody who was an ADHD expert that had worked with money and found systems that worked for them and they could help me systemize and automate everything so that I don't even have to think about it. It was game changing. And I would have never found that with just going to a finance firm with a bunch of white men. I'm sorry. I just would not have. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've actually worked with a couple of clients who have had ADHD and they said that, you know, having a coach was so important because they know what they should be doing, but it's the fact that the impulse and not having that plan to sort of stay accountable to was what was causing them to get in trouble when it came to their spending. You know, I think mental health impacts finance way more than people want to talk about anyways, too, because you think people with depression, maybe they don't want to get out of bed that day and actually like go to work. And like, there are so many things that could impact it. You know, you have the LGBTQ plus community with their own set of struggles and their own set of financial Mm -hmm. issues that they're going to need to face at some point, especially like if you get into transgenders and things like that. So they want to start like doing the hormones and the surgeries. There's just so many financial implications. That's why we need so many people yeah. from so many different socioeconomic backgrounds. Absolutely. Totally agree. All right. What is your favorite self-care item under $50? Favorite self-care item under $50? Um, I think I would say, so I, I really like reading a lot. I That's usually like how I fall asleep is like I'll have a, probably not the best doing it on my phone, but I'll have my phone. I'll have like the Kindle app or like the Google Play app and I'll be reading books on there. And so I think a self-care item that I've really enjoyed is, um, I don't know if it's really considered self-care, but I asked my husband to get me like a $50 uh, Google Play store gift card so I could buy books from, from that store. Because another thing that I'm doing is I've been studying Korean for the last couple of like year and a half just oh as a hobby gosh, it's a random so thing cool. I guess a random thing I picked up and I'm super obsessed with it and so um it's kind of hard to find Korean ebooks in oh, certain bet. like in the Kindle stores so yeah so the the Google store thankfully has more Korean books and so that $50 gift card has lasted me since Christmas and I read a couple of books and downloaded a lot of samples so I think that that's one of my favorite sort of under $50 self-care items at the moment, at least. You're officially the coolest person I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. We are officially out of questions for you. Thank you so much for being here with us. Please let our audience know where they can find and keep up with you. And if you have any resources from your own personal website that you would like to plug, please plug away. Absolutely. So the best places to find me is going to be on Instagram. You can find me at millennialmoney.guide. That is millennial with two L's and two N's. I always say whenever I'm, I'm on podcasts that I learned how to say how to spell millennial by starting this business because apparently I did not know how to spell it before <laughs> and it took me a long time in the beginning to get it right. I made a lot of typos, but yeah, that's the best place to find me. And if you're interested in learning more about coaching, 
um, and how it can help you, I would love to get a sales call scheduled to tell you more about the program and learn more about you and your struggles and your goals and your money. Um, so you can do that by either sending me a DM or visiting the link in my bio on Instagram. And that's where you can find all the information about getting that call scheduled so we can meet and learn more. Amazing. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode. As always, I will have everything linked in the show notes for your guys' ease of clickability. Ayana, thank you so much for being here. We are so eternally grateful and we cannot wait for our listeners to hear this episode. Thank you so much. All right, CEOs, that is it for today's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And as always, you can find all of our episode and guest information in the show notes, as well as on our website, www.coishpodcast.com, spelled like our name without the dash. Thank you all so much for supporting our show. And for more CEOish, be sure to give us a follow over on Instagram at CEOish Podcast. And be sure to follow us on our personals at Chloe Elizabeth Creative and at Tay Graham Biz. Be sure you're subscribed to CEO-ish wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really love the show, be sure to give us a five-star review, whether that be on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really does help us out and we read every single one. We love you guys so much and thank you for tuning in to CEO-ish. We'll see you CEOs in the next episode. Bye.